ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are finishing up the first half of Ezekiel with chapters 20 through 24. This section is in the part of Ezekiel that predicts the certainty of the judgment of Jerusalem, chapters 12 through 24. Chapter 20 starts now in the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth of the month, certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. There are various dates listed in Ezekiel. This book begins with the 30th year, and we discussed that that probably meant Ezekiel's age, because verse 2 said that it was in the fifth year when Jehoiakim was brought into exile. We also discussed that both King Jehoiakim and Ezekiel were brought to Babylon in that same group around 597 B.C., So the first vision was around 592 BC, and now we are around 590 BC. Jerusalem has not yet been burnt and destroyed. This verse also shows that the elders of Israel who were in Babylon recognized that Ezekiel was a prophet because they wanted to hear from the Lord and they knew who to come to. Two other times the elders came to Ezekiel, chapter 8, verse 1, which was one year after Ezekiel's first vision, and then in chapter 14, 1, where no date is given. We have also talked about how Ezekiel was trained to be a priest, so he served the Lord as a priestly prophet as well as a prophetic priest. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel and said, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Do you come to inquire of me? As I live, declares the Lord God, I will not be inquired by you. Verse 3. We then hear the story of how the Lord dealt with Israel as a nation after they left the land of Egypt. In chapter 20, we see some repeated phrases, and some of these are all throughout the book of Ezekiel, like number one, the son of man. We've talked about that before. The son of man is the name that the Lord used to call Ezekiel, and that's the name that Jesus liked to use when referencing himself. And in this chapter, it's used three times, but throughout the book, around 40 times. Another phrase we have seen in various forms is that they or you may know that I am the Lord. In this chapter, it's used six times. We see a third phrase used throughout the Old Testament, and this is the Lord says, I am the Lord your God. That's found in verses five and seven. We see an emphasis on the phrase or a variation of the phrase for the sake of my name or for my name's sake in this chapter. And it is used in verses 9, 14, 22, and 44. The nation of Israel represented the Lord for they were his people. 
In the Torah, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 9, especially verses 27 through 29, after Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, the people were worshiping a golden calf that Aaron had made. The Lord wanted to destroy his people then, but Moses interceded and said, Lord, if you do it now, what will the nation say? Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And then he said, If you destroy them now, won't the people from where they came from say that you, Lord, were not able to bring them into the land which he had promised them? And because he hated them, he had brought them out to slay them in the wilderness? Yet they are your people, even your inheritance, whom you have brought out of your great power and your outstretched arm. Here the Jews were known as the Lord's people, but now their actions are worse than the non-Jewish nations around them. They no longer look like the Lord, and their actions gave the Lord a bad name. It was time to do something about it. One point that C. Hassel Bullock mentions in his book, An Introduction to the Old Testament Prophetic Books, on page 307. It was Yahweh's own name and character that he was concerned with, not Israel's. When his covenant people and the nations around them came to acknowledge who he was, then he would be truly vindicated. To say, however, that he was intent upon protecting his own reputation is not in the least to suggest that he had no concern with Israel's. Rather, it is to suggest that the Lord was most true to his people when he was most true to himself. When he was true to himself, he could not be false to Israel. We also see the Lord says twice, as I live, in verses 31 and 33. In 33, it reads, as I live, declares the Lord, surely with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with wrath poured out, I shall be king over you. One thing that struck me this morning as I was studying, in yesterday's lesson, there is a lament or a song of sorrow about the princes of Israel in reference to the kings of Israel. I thought that was an odd wordage that seemed confusing. So in yesterday's lesson, I said kings because I didn't want to get you confused. But then when we take a look at the next chapter and this verse especially, I realized in the lament about the princes of Israel in chapter 19, the kings are called princes because the king of kings is always on his throne. The Lord is Israel's king. In verses 45 through 49, we see a new word of the Lord. He told Ezekiel to set his face toward the south, toward Jerusalem, and declare to it that a fire is coming, and it will be clear that it is from the Lord. Then we hear a quick phrase from Ezekiel. And he says to the Lord, Ah, Lord God, they are saying of me, Is he not just speaking parable? The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel again in chapter 21. Again, he was to set his face toward Jerusalem. And this time he was to speak against the sanctuaries and prophesy against the land of Israel. 
and this time punishment will be by the sword. As an object lesson with this prophecy, Ezekiel was to groan in the sight of the Jews in Babylon. And when they ask, why are you groaning? You are to tell them, because of the devastation that is coming to Jerusalem, verses 6 and 7. Then he was to prophesy and cry and wail against the Lord's people and all the officials of Israel and then strike his own thigh as a time of testing. Verses 9 through 13. Then Ezekiel was to prophesy and clap his hands like a sword and the Lord will also clap his hands together and appease his wrath. Verses 14 through 17. The last object lesson was that Ezekiel was to make a signpost for the king of Babylon, pointing the way to Jerusalem. In verse 26, we see that one of the characteristics of the Lord that is used throughout scripture is that he exalts that which is low and he brings low that which is high. Chapter 22 reveals the sins of Jerusalem, that bloody city. The first sin announced is found in verses 1 through 12, which is pointed out in verse 8. They have despised the holy things of the Lord, and they have profaned the Sabbath day. The Lord cries out in verse 12, and you have forgotten me. The result of that sin is the Lord will scatter his people among the nations. The second sin revealed is found in verses 17 through 22. The house of Israel is described as dross in a metal furnace. Wikipedia describes dross as a mass of solid impurities floating on a molten metal or dispersed in the metal. This result of their impurity is that they will be gathered in Jerusalem and the city will feel the fire of wrath from the Lord. The third judgment is especially upon the leadership in Jerusalem. The prophets have devoured lives and taken treasures and precious things, and they have made many widows in their midst, verse 25. Verse 26 addresses the priest and says, Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane, and they have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean, and they hide their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Verse 27 talks of the princes, meaning the kings, who led for dishonest gain. The prophets smeared whitewash on what they told the kings. They said, Thus saith the Lord, but the Lord has not spoken. Verse 28. The people of the land have oppressed the poor, needy, and the sojourner without justice. Verse 29. Verses 30 and 31 say, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. Thus I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their way is brought upon their heads, declares the Lord God. 
The word of the Lord came again to Ezekiel, the son of man. And the Lord told the story of two daughters from one mother in chapter 23. These women lived promiscuous lives. Ohola, which means her tent, is older than Oholaba, which means my tent is in her. In verse 4, we find out that Ohola is Samaria, the capital of the northern ten tribes of Israel, and Aholaba is Jerusalem, the capital of the southern tribes of Judah. Also in verse 4, the Lord says, And they became mine. This reminds us that their covenant relationship was like a marriage. Ahola had an affair with Assyria, and so the Lord gave her to the hand of the Assyrians. Verse 9. Verse 11 says, Now her sister, Oholaba, saw this, yet she was more corrupt in her lust than she, and her harlotries were more than the harlotries of her sister. Not only did Oholaba desire Assyria, but the Chaldeans, Babylonians, and Egyptians. We again see in verse 38 that they have defiled the sanctuary of the Lord and have profaned the Lord's Sabbaths. One of the things that happened in the temple was child sacrifice to pagan gods. Verse 39. One other verse to point out is verse 41, which talks of these women getting all dolled up for their lovers. And it says, And you sat on a splendid couch, with a table arranged before it on which you had set my incense and my oil. In Exodus chapter 30, starting with verse 22, the Lord gives special directions on how to make the Lord's holy oil and holy incense. Then in verse 32 and 33, it reads, It shall not be poured on anyone's body, nor shall you make any like it in the same proportions. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever shall mix any like it, or whoever puts any of it on a layman, shall be cut off from his people. There's something very, very similar also with regards to the incense. Chapter 23 ends with how the punishment will come upon Jerusalem. They will stone them with stones, slay them with swords, and burn their houses down to the ground. This is the penalty of worshiping their idols. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 24 starts with the date, ninth year in the tenth month on the tenth of the month. This is the day, this very day, that the Lord told Ezekiel that the king of Babylon laid siege to Jerusalem, verses 1 and 2. Ezekiel was to speak a parable about a boiling, rusty pot. The best of meats went into the pot, and it was boiling beautifully, but the rust in the pot consumes it. Verses 13 and 14 read, In your filthiness is lewdness, because I would have cleansed you, Yet you are not clean. You will not be cleansed from your filthiness again until I have spent my wrath on you. I, the Lord, have spoken. It is coming and I will act. I will not relent and I will not pity and I will not be sorry according to your ways and according to your deeds. I will judge you, declares the Lord God. 
This section ends with an object lesson, a hard one. The word of the Lord spoke again to the Son of Man, Ezekiel, and said in verses 16 and 17, Behold, I am about to take from you the desire of your eyes with a blow, but you will not mourn, and you will not weep, and your tears will not come. Groan silently. Make no mourning for the dead. Do not dress in mourning clothes. So Ezekiel told the people that morning, and in the evening Ezekiel's wife died. And the next morning Ezekiel did what the Lord commanded. The people asked, Why are you doing this? And he told the people that Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed. And when that happens, they are not to mourn for the city because they deserve it. Then you will know that I am the Lord God. Verse 24. The last three verses of chapter 24 say that on that day when Jerusalem is destroyed, a messenger would come and share the information and Ezekiel would no longer be mute and then he will be a sign for the people and they will know that I am the Lord. Way back in chapter 3, verses 26 and 27, the Lord told Ezekiel that he will make him mute and stick his tongue to the roof of his mouth. And then verse 27 says, But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth, and you will say to them, Thus saith the Lord, He who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Now there are many views of what exactly this means. I did not address it earlier because there are so many opinions. I lean toward the view that Ezekiel could only talk when the Lord spoke to him, telling him to speak, and all other times he could not speak until Jerusalem was destroyed. And due to time, I won't share the other views, but I do encourage you to do some research and see what you think. Dr. Betts, an Old Testament class, made comment to Ezekiel's wife dying as one of the hardest lessons for Ezekiel. Many times he's preaching messages and God is using him personally as a part of the message himself and how godly a man he was to do what God had called him to do, even in the midst of Ezekiel's own loss and own difficulty. And yet he was faithful. This shows the humanness of this. Ladies, to be honest, I'm not sure I could do that. One time I heard Beth Moore at a conference ask the Lord for the gift of tearlessness so she could get through her message without crying. I cry watching a Hallmark movie, some commercials, and nowadays the evening news. The one glimmer of hope I had for Ezekiel was that he could groan silently. Verse 17a. In this first half of Ezekiel, we have seen some key ideas that Hill and Walton have said in their book, A Survey of the Old Testament. First, that the Babylonian exile is punishment for Judah's sin of idolatry. Second, there is a mysterious interplay of individual responsibility and divine judgment. Third, there is a dynamic relationship of the individual to the group. And fourth, 
The Lord's sovereignty is over Israel and the nations. In this next half of Ezekiel, we will discover two more key ideas. The Lord's faithfulness to his covenant promises and restoration of a new Israel under Davidic leadership. One thing that Dr. Betts mentioned in class that helps tie this whole Bible together is that the Lord made it clear way back in Moses' day that this would happen in Leviticus chapter 26. These are the repercussions of disobedience. This is in connection to the blessings of following God and the curses that come when we disobey God. God clearly called Ezekiel for this mission because he had trained him as a priest. He knew exactly what was holy and unholy. He knew what was blessed and unblessed. I bet he even knew the recipe for the holy oil and incense. He also had a heart for the Lord. That was what made him an obedient prophet. The Lord was number one in his life. Is he number one for us? If we confess him as our Lord and Savior, he needs to be number one. And if he's not, then we have some idols that we need to lay at the Lord's feet. So today, ladies, if you hear his voice, what is he telling you to do? Is the Lord revealing some idols that may have crept up in your life and you need to lay them at the cross of Christ? If we hear his voice, let's not turn from him but let's turn to him and let's obey. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.